You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Dear loving Heavenly Father, please give us now hearts that listen to you. Help us to hear your word. Help us to listen when you speak and to obey when you command. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, we're kind of in the midst of death at the moment. We've been working our way through 1st and 2nd Samuel and we're now into 1st Kings. Last week we heard of the death of Absalom, David's son, and now the great King David the greatest king of Israel, the the man after God's own heart, he has died. And his son Solomon has taken the throne, just as God had promised David back in 2 Samuel 7. But the question that lingers for us now is what kind of king will Solomon be? Would he be like the great David or would would he be like Saul, the king before David? Would this be the king that would finally fulfil the promises of God, reigning over Israel forever, finally giving them rest from all their enemies? See, that was the great hope of Israel's kings. And this is what we begin to see with Solomon's reign. Under Solomon, Israel begins to flourish and becomes the envy of every other nation. Solomon is widely known as a wise and great king. And Israel has peace with all its surrounding nations. In the verses that got kind of skipped over in our passage, we read that Solomon had a marriage alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Now this should get your alarm bells ringing, that Solomon is marrying a foreign person. But it highlights the political peace of Israel, the peace that Israel enjoyed with the surrounding empires. Solomon is shaping up to be a great king. He loves the Lord and he walks in the statutes of his father David, worshipping the Lord, making offerings at the high places. Now this is another detail that might set your alarm bells ringing, that he was worshipping at the high places because that phrase will soon become a litmus test for the coming kings. Whether a king is obedient to God or not will be determined on where they worship. Those who worship at the temple in Jerusalem, they will be good kings, obedient kings. But those who worship at the high places, they will be seen as bad kings. But at this point in time in in the history of salvation, the temple is not yet built in Jerusalem. But we're told in 2 Chronicles 1, verse 3, that the tent of meeting of God, which Moses had set up, Uh, That was at Gibeon, the great high place that Solomon now heads to to make a sacrifice. So Solomon heads there to worship the Lord and God affirms Solomon's actions by appearing to him in a dream. And this also acts as an affirmation of Solomon's kingship. He really is the true king of Israel. God appears to Solomon not to rebuke him for worshipping in the high places, not to chastise him at all, but to offer him whatever he wants. Now this 
offer is almost a, a trap, isn't it? It's a test of Solomon's kingship right off the bat. While he could ask for whatever he wants, will, you know, what will he ask for? Will he ask for the riches of this world? Will he ask for a, a brand new chariot with a reversing camera and a five-star safety rating? Or a bigger house in a better neighbourhood with a bigger yard? Or a new job that pays more but has less hours in it? What will Solomon ask for? Well, Solomon ponders his position, thinks about the job that he has. He realises his responsibility and that he's not really equipped with the skills for this position. So Solomon asks God to give him the wisdom, the skills required to govern the people. So look at 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 7 and 9 with me. Solomon says, And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David my father. Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people, whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant therefore an understanding mind, to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, this your great people? Now this phrase here, an, an understanding mind that Solomon asked for, it doesn't quite convey what Solomon is saying. It's, it's translated that way so that we understand what's going on in this passage. But Solomon's request is for a hearing heart a hearing heart. I quite like that phrase, a hearing heart. It's very poetic, it's very alliterative. I like to think of myself as kind of a poet, even though you probably don't want to read any of my poetry. But it, it's very poetic. It paints a picture for us of a heart that listens to God, that listens when God speaks, a heart that hears the word of the Lord, a heart that is open to the Lord and obeys his instruction. It also stands in contrast to the common characterization of Israel of being thick-necked and stubborn-hearted. It also echoes the daily prayer of Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It echoes the heart of flesh that God promises to give us in Ezekiel. And it also stands in contrast to the grasping of Adam and Eve in the garden. They're grasping for the knowledge of good and evil. Solomon understands his place before God. He knows it's only when his heart is aligned with God's, when his heart is open to God, that he can make wise decisions. He needs to tune his heart into God's station and listen to God's word. Our psalm of the day, Psalm 111, reminds us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and that all those who practice it have good understanding. See, what is right, what is wrong, is not determined by your experiences, by scientific discovery or by society at large. If God really is the creator of all things, visible and invisible, then it's he that determines what is good, what is true and what is beautiful. He is the final arbiter of truth. Therefore, wisdom comes from submitting to his rule, following his statutes, Wisdom is when we understand our place before God and understand who we are in light of who he is. Wisdom is having a heart that listens to the word of God. 
a heart that obeys God's instruction. But what does it mean to listen to God? When we say, I want to hear from the Lord, what do we mean by that? Well, the normal way that God speaks to us is through his word, the Bible. When we read the Bible, we're reading God's word to us. Now, there's other ways that God may speak to you. He may speak to you audibly, but he may speak to you through preaching. He may speak to you through the sacraments. He may speak to you through the prompting of the Holy Spirit and through the community of believers. But if you are really itching to hear what God is saying to you, then open up your Bible. Read his word to you. Ask God that you'd have a hearing heart, that you might be ready to listen to what he has to say to you. I can't promise you that you're going to like it, but he will speak to you through his word. Well, God is pleased with Solomon's request. He's pleased with Solomon's request because he doesn't ask for the things of this world, for long life or for the death of his enemies or any riches. But Solomon has placed the concerns of the kingdom, the concerns of others above himself. Solomon's kingship is an example for those who rule over us today, isn't it? However, as we see through the rest of Solomon's rule, through the rest of this, uh, of this book, even the wisest person in all land, in all of history, wasn't always perfect. Even though God gave Solomon the wisdom to choose between right and wrong, he didn't always make the right choice. Deuteronomy 17 verses 16 to 17, sets out the requirements for a king of Israel. It says, He must not acquire many horses for himself or cause the people to return to Egypt in order to acquire many horses. Since the Lord has said to you, you shall never return that way again. And he shall not acquire many wives for himself, lest his heart turn away. And yet, this is what the king of Israel, the wisest man to ever live, He does just that, acquires many horses and many wives. In chapters 10 and 11 of 1 Kings we read of Solomon's great wealth, of his 1,400 chariots, of his 12,000 horsemen, of his 700 wives. That's his love of horses and women that would be the downfall of Solomon the wise. But let's not lay the blame at the feet of the horses and the women. Was not one wife enough for you, Solomon? Was not two? Were five horses not enough for you, Solomon? Even all of Solomon's wisdom could not keep him from his sinful heart. All the king's horses, all the king's wives could not put Solomon back together again. Though God had granted him a hearing heart, his heart was no longer listening to God but is listening to the bleeding of horses and wives. If this is true of Solomon, the wisest person to ever live, how much more is it true of you and me? I wonder what your heart is hearing. Is it listening to God or is it listening to the things of this world, the concerns of the day? How easy it is to turn our hearts away from God. How true is this passage also for those who rule over us? This is why the New Testament tells us to pray for those who would govern over us, to pray that they might be wise in their decision-making. 
First Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 to 2 states, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority. But this is also true for the clergy of this church and the leadership of those who govern this church. The clergy of this church are not a special people just because we might have a title in front of our names and wear this collar that restricts us Our hearts are just as prone to wander as anyone else's. We need God's grace and mercy just like the rest of you. So please pray for us. Pray that we would have hearing hearts that listen to God's word. In my final year of seminary back in Sydney, Australia, we had a class, a leadership class on uh, governing a church. We played this simulation game where we would make decisions of how we would run our church if we were in charge. We had to make decisions about what we would do throughout our week, how much money we would allocate to certain sorts of ministries, how much time we would spend with our family and in the Word and all sorts of things, all these different decisions that had to be made about the running of the church. But then problems were added that, we had, that would kind of shake up our, our system that we had to make decisions about. And the first problem that arose, and this is going to be a little bit too close to to comfort, but the first problem was that the organ broke down. Now, I'm not wishing this upon the church, but this this is actually what happened before I came to the Advent. The organ breaks down, and you have to decide what you're going to do. Are you going to repair the organ and keep everyone in your church happy? Or are you going to bring in some new contemporary music and try and get other people to come to church because they like that more? Now, I'm not giving a commentary on what I, you know, what I like, but I'm a people pleaser by nature. And so I chose to fix the organ so that everyone in my congregation would like me. But as I made this decision, the people in my congregation decided to decrease. They stopped coming. Now, that's also not a commentary on what would happen. But I made all these other decisions, and as I kept making these decisions, more and more people... Came, uh, sorry, less and less people came to my church. More and more decided to walk away. I also focused my attention on keeping my budget balanced so that we made sure we had enough money to do the running of the church. And as I made this decision, less people came to my church. Decision after decision, my congregation shrunk. And many groups had this same problem. Less and less people were coming to their churches. But the group that had a church that grew, do you know what they focused their attention on? They focused their attention on the pastor's heart. They made decisions that allowed the, pastor, the senior pastor of the church to spend more and more time in God's word. There are so many good things that we can do with our week. We can write sermons, we can lead services, we can plan for the future, we can start new services, we can meet up with people for coffee, come over to our house for dinner. There's so many good things that we could be doing, which are right to be doing. But please pray that we have hearing hearts. Please pray that we would prioritise our time with God, listening to his word and spending time with him in prayer. A danger that is particular to me and maybe to you also is that mornings are my most productive time. So I like to get up and get ready and get to my study early and kind of knock out some work before my body even realises what it's doing. But the problem with this is that I tend to kind of rush over 
my uh, time with God in order to do the more important things, in order to get the productive things done. So please pray for me. Pray and for the other ministers of this church that we wouldn't rush over our time with God, but that we would spend time with God in his word, spend time with him in prayer. Pray that we would be like Solomon, asking God for wisdom, seeking first his kingdom, not the concerns of the world, having a heart that is attentive to God above all else, because the future of this church depends on that. And Solomon's request for a hearing heart, a discerning heart, and his subsequent failure and shame, this all points us forward. It points us forward by reminding us that Solomon is not the king that Israel had been waiting for, not the king that God would fulfill his promises through. But still the people of Israel wait. They're in the land and they're they're a great nation, but it will not last. Even with all of Solomon's wisdom, he couldn't save Israel. Even with all of Solomon's wisdom, he could not save himself. What was needed was not a king who had wisdom, but a king who was wisdom. And Jesus is this king. The wisdom of God made manifest. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 20 to 25 says, Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom... It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Solomon points us to Jesus, the only king who could perfectly walk in God's ways, the only king who could follow God's statutes perfectly, all of God's commands, all the days of his life, the king who through his death and resurrection has ascended into glory and is seated at the right hand of the Father, reigning in heaven. Now it's becoming more and more foolish these days to follow Jesus, The world is so focused on human potential and human flourishing that it seems foolish to worship someone else, someone who died on a cross. It seems foolish to give up your authentic self to follow someone else's commands. But in God's infinite wisdom, he has made known the mystery of his will in Christ Jesus. And all those who put their trust in him will never be put to shame but they will be more so they will be honored more highly than even the great king solomon those who put their trust in jesus christ are given every spiritual blessing in him even everlasting life so my prayer for you this morning is that you would have a hearing heart a heart that listens to god that submits to his rule a heart that trusts in his promises a heart that turns to him in repentance and faith. Let me pray this for you.
Dear loving, heavenly and gracious Father, we thank you so much for your steadfast love to us, for your pouring out your love for us in Jesus Christ in his death and resurrection. Father, by your Holy Spirit, please give us hearts that hear your word, that are attentive, attentive to you. Help us to hear you, Lord, when you speak. Help us to submit to your rule over our lives. We ask this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.